are very hot i was just wondering with me tom salmon the show that dives into music film and games and everything else in between my guest on this week's show is the london-based singer and songwriter charles so for people aren't familiar with your um so people aren't familiar uh, with your work as a musician who are you and what do you do so i'm a singer from well originally from hertfordshire but living in london um and yeah i make r&b funk soul music Nice. Yeah. Okay, so I've got um, four topics that I want to cover with you um, today. So topic one is the earliest. So I want to sort of go back to day zero and ask you, as a child, what was the first pop star you saw on television which made you think, I'd really love to do that? It's got to be hands down, Beyonce. Ooh, okay. Like, without a doubt, she's an icon. So definitely she was the first person, I think, that really like, inspired me to do what I do. And can you remember, was there a particular video or moment? Can you remember that moment when you first saw, like, Beyonce? I feel like I watched her. I saw a performance with her at the, I think it was the VMAs. Right. And she did this, like, she did Sweet Dreams. Okay. So anyone listening, I'm pretty sure you'll know the video where she's doing the Sweet Dreams routine. And it's just insane. Like, yeah. they're all in, like, these big trench coats. It's just, like, sick. And how old were you when you, when you saw that? Oof, I don't know. Young, yeah, um, pretty young. Because I guess, because I guess there's that sort of that age when you know, like it seems there's a sense of wonder and sort of like fancy to it. Like that person mm. is that sort of like thing, and you don't know anything outside of it. So they are that sort of um, large in life, sort of that character. And obviously, yeah. then you then you know go through life and discover that this person's actually like a human being and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so, just moving on from that question, I understand you're originally from uh, Stevenage. Yeah, yes. born there. Born there. Um, but you said you're from Hertfordshire, so that's yeah. where you like grew up. We like moved around a lot, my mum and dad. So like, I think we've lived in so many places in Hertfordshire. Oh, okay. Um, we literally, yeah, every couple of years, my mum and dad would get the itch, and then we'd end up going somewhere else. Okay. So, um, moving around so much, um, from I guess like from small town to like small town. Yeah, they town. were vi- like villages. Yeah. So. How did you explore and creative you and explore your creative voice around that sort of like time? You're moving around sort of like so much. It was weird, you know. Like I think like I've not really thought about that before, but I think where we live, we used to live like quite rurally. Yeah. Like so, it'd always be in like these tiny little villages, or like we had one house that was literally in the middle of a field, mm-hmm. no lie, just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I feel like it almost became like my safe haven. I think I was a very different person when I was at home mm-hmm. to the person that I was when I was out. Right. If that makes sense, even as a child. Yeah. Um, I think, like, growing up in these small places gave me, like, the the chance to f- be creative in my own home mm. because I felt that no one was there to judge. Right. You know what I mean? 
And also, because I guess like isolation was a part in a way to use that survey word. Was there a sense of like intros introspection as well? I guess like as you were sort of discovering your own creative voice. Because again, like growing up in a small village, there isn't actually a lot of like external like stimuli or art or like mm. culture going on around there. You kind of have to develop for yourself. Was there a particular point or things that you sort of gravitated towards outside of that? You then sort of drew into that sort of space. Um, well, I think like, I first like originally got into like musical theatre. Um, yeah. I think that was quite like a big draw. I think my parents like were just like, I was just like literally up singing, dancing, yeah. running around doing shows for my mum mm. and dad. And then I think they just kind of like tunneled me into that as an outlet. Right, right. Um, so how old were you when you felt like confident enough to perform in front of an audience? And where do you think that confidence like came from? Uh, do you know what? I feel like <laughs> I've been doing this since I can remember, to be honest. Yeah. Like... As a kid, I don't know, like, I guess I was a bit wild. Like, I just loved mm. it. I'd put on shows all the time at my house. Yeah. Um, from a very young age, from literally from when I must have been about five, six years old. Yeah. As soon as I could be up walking, I was dancing, mm -hmm. putting on shows. And was there a point, like, in terms of your... So where do you centre your enjoyment in that? Is it the fact that you're, like, performing, like, singing and dancing? And do, do, or does it factor into that the audience is also enjoying your performance as well, that sort of... I don't know. I think I like, just... It sounds so cringe, but I think yeah. it was just, I was just, like... It was just born inside of me, I think. Okay. Like, I never yeah, yeah, really, yeah. like, deeped it that much to think... <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was, like, just loving it myself. Maybe mm. I'm a narcissist. <laughs> 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 I feel like if all, all musicians are a bit of narcissists. Yeah, 100%. I think you, there is an element of that. I mean, you have to be. I mean, you really do, because essentially to put yourself out there to that sort of point and have that sense of confidence, yeah. you can't lack for it, in a sense. No, true, true. Because you're, um, you're exposed. Um, so just following on from that um, question... And I guess we covered it a little bit, but what was that creative transition from performing from family and friends to actually formally studying the craft of musical theatre? Because it is a craft. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I think before I touched on it, I think mm. I was kind of put into that space of musical theatre to like train and do that mm. thing um, because that was kind of like the only option for me at that time. Right. Um, I think. And I, like, I'm not saying that I didn't love it. Like I did love it. And at the time I, I really enjoyed it. But I think I always knew deep down inside that it wasn't actually what I wanted mm. to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just convenient and it worked, you know what I mean? I was able to like sing and, and I I was able to perform and, that, and that's yeah. what I am, I'm a performer. Right. Um, just sort of going back to like, what was it actually like? Because I've sort of studied acting myself, so I know you have to do like vocal lessons, I know you have to have to do movement, you have to like learn lines. So what was it actually like being in like a class of other... Girl. Yeah, but... <laughs> it was intense. Yeah. It's so funny. I feel like people that 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 do that and train in that mm. can, can are the only people that can ever relate to what it's like. Yeah, like yeah. I can't really explain what it's like. It's it's like fame, right? But not as pretty. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know exactly. It's what like you mean. people yeah, yeah. are literally up singing, dancing, like just doing a madness. But there's a lot of like dark elements to it as well. Yeah. I think like. Um, I kind of went into it so confident hmm. um, and being quite, not not actually that great. But I mean, when I went there, I thought I was like, I thought I was it. I thought I was yeah. amazing. And then I think like, it was quite a reality check once I went to college hmm. to do it professionally. It was yeah. like a wake up call being like, rah, okay. 
there's actually people out there that are way better. Yeah. And um, so it was quite like a wake up call like that. And the training was intense. Um, I mean, you, you, we would, I'd be getting up at, what, maybe half six, quarter to seven every day. Yeah. And you'd have back-to-back classes from 7.30 mm. till 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So it was intense. But I mean, I'm grateful. Like, it's, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot of discipline. And, and I was quite a bit of a reckless person and child and yeah. didn't really do well to rules and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it really made me home in and actually mm. work. Mm-hmm. So. And I wonder, like, in terms of, like, now in terms of your performance, because obviously, like, theatre, you have to play to the back. You have to kind of be large in life, especially with musical theatres. Mm. Do you incorporate elements, that, like, now, I mean, sort of, like, technique-wise from that particular, like, period? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, it's funny. I, I think I shied away from, like, musical theatre so much when I was starting to, like, pursue my music career. Mm. Almost, I don't know, it's almost like a defiance thing. I just, But like, I think now, as I've matured as an artist yeah it's actually quite a heavy part of my whole thing right is that like i'm a performer yeah, yeah. um and i love that element okay. um, to what i bring mm-hmm. um so just moving on from that what was like the tipping point from like studying musical theater going through that sort of like process of studying it formally to actually looking out in the world and deciding like do you know what i actually want to be a professional performer because again like that's the next leap from like leaving mm. school so you, what was that period of like, i think i'd always life? wanted to do it like it wasn't yeah. really like i don't think there was ever a moment where i didn't think i wasn't going to do it yeah uh, i've always been quite hell-bent on right knowing what i've wanted from a very young age which yeah. is quite lucky it is um because not everyone obviously does have that yeah but yeah i, I knew what i wanted from mm. from day dot really and I just want to like touch on one final piece of musical theatre um, with you. So I know you had a role in the West End musical production of Disney's Lion King because yeah. our mutual friend Laura <laughs> went to see you in it. Yeah. Um, so what was that experience like being a part of such a huge production? Yeah, again, like I learned loads. I learned loads. Um, it was an amazing experience. Mm. I had I had a great time, and like to be able to, I think like vocally as well. Like that was probably one of the strongest. That, that I'd ever been vocally. Yeah. Maybe not so much now, but at that point, it, I was very strong, like singing mm-hmm. that many times a week with all the shows and stuff, only having one night off. Like, vocally, it was insane. Yeah. Like, I, th- I used to look back and listen to, like, voice recordings of that, those times and be like, Whoa. all right, Charles. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was amazing, amazing experience, but um, I, I did quickly realise that it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, was there anything in particular, just like this, the, the, the thing that I think was I like just, it was, I'm such a, I'm a creative person. Right. And um, I don't believe that there's that much creativity in that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there is developing in something and making the actual piece of art, like the yeah. theatre. But I think when you're in it, I struggled because if I wasn't stood on my mark, if I was one step off it, there'd yeah. be notes on that or mm. if I added too much vibrato to when I was singing there'd be notes on that to stop that and yeah. it just felt quite constrained I felt very caged mm. as a person and that was when I knew that I was like this isn't this isn't working yeah 
Yeah, I mean, like, especially musical theatre and a production like that, it is, like, run like a machine. Oh, yeah. That's and, why it's been going so long. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I guess, like, the creativity, in a way, almost happens off the stage. It happens before you even kind of, like, get there. Like, all the creative decisions have kind of been made. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, and that's it, basically. Yeah. You're just fulfilling that. Your Whereas now, as an artist, it's insane. Mm. Like, I create it from day dot, like, from... I micromanage absolutely everything to do with mm. my career and what I do now. And I love that about it. Yeah. Like that's what keeps keeps me going, I think. Um, so around that time, you're living and working in London. What kind of local music videos or uh, <laughs> videos, venues mm -hmm. or um, club nights um, do you regularly sort of check out to broaden your um, musical horizons? Um, I mean, I, one of the first ones I ever went to was Coco. Yeah, yeah. This was before it got... Um, before the fires and stuff but yeah that was a huge one I remember I went and watched Sasha Keeble there mm -hmm. and um, that being a real turning point for me as well of watching her up there and as well like this is so funny like because it's so to say this now yeah it's so far removed from like what I listen to now but at the time mm. Ella Eyre right yeah yeah we went and watched me and um, my boyfriend went and watched her headline show mm -hmm. in Brixton and um, I remember that being like a real epiphany moment of being like, that's what I need to do. Yeah. I was like, this is, that's what I need to be doing now, if not yesterday. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that was quite a, quite a big draw, to be fair. Sorry, guys, I dropped my phone. <laughs> uh, um, so, was there anything, again, like, was there anything, like, in particular about that was it the stage production was it the voice what was the thing that really sort of like hooked you to be like oh I, or is it just the fact that she's there like doing it and you're like oh i have to like i have to do this yeah i think her just like getting up there and like when she was explaining like that she'd written these songs and like the whole process really i just thought that's what i want to do right um yeah yeah um so around that time were you also going to any like open mic nights to test the waters being a performer because I know that you did um, cover Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license for a, B a BBC live lounge mm -hmm. so I wonder if that's something you've kind of been doing like before that to kind of just see like oh yeah I, I tried out a few so like, I went to um, there was one called the looking at the looking glass yeah don't even know if it's still going to be honest but I went to a few there but again I never sang right which is quite... I've never sang, actually, at an open mic night. Oh, OK, yeah, which yeah. Which is quite bizarre, I guess. I mean, the thing about open mics... Is I think it was... I think because as well, like, I feel like open mics are amazing, I think, if you're an artist that hasn't been able to have that exposure being on stage, right? True, true, yeah, and yeah. And whereas, like, I, I'd had exposure. I knew, I knew what that felt mm. like to get up there and sing. Yeah, yeah. So... Oh uh, yeah, I never did it. No, I understand. I can see where you're coming from because, like, I guess like, open mics are a bit of an acquired taste because it mm. can be, in terms of who you're following, going after, you get five minutes. But if you've been mm. on stage, you say doing as many performances that it takes to do a Western production, like you're good. Like you yeah. don't. Like, but what I will say though, yeah. that open mics are amazing because you don't have time to think, which I think is also like quite a key. Like to be able to just go and just go. Yep, okay, I'm going to get up now and we're mm. going to sing this. You tell the band what you want to play and you yeah, just yeah. do it. And I think that's also like amazing mm. when people do do that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so I just want to touch a little bit on, like, sort of mental health and, like, keeping, like, perspective. So around this time, um, did you create, like, a support network of fellow artists and performers and creatives to help you manage the sort of highs and lows? Also, and also, like, this transitionary sort of process when you're leaving one, you know, clearly defined, like, career path, which is mm. sort of, like, musical theatre and that whole industry to be like, no, I'm going to do it all by myself. Yeah, like, I, I, all my friends all trained in that field. Mm -hmm. So, like, I moved to London when I was 16, 
and like went to this college with a, a bunch of like 18 and 21 year olds. So like I had to grow up well quick and mm. they are like my family now. Yeah. They always have been. And I think that I think that was one of the hardest parts of it as well was like telling them that I wasn't going to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, just to see what they were going to say. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, like, they couldn't have been more supportive. Like, yeah. Because also, none of them had ever heard anything that like, I'd ever written or, right, like, right, right. do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, it was a bit yeah. of a risk. Like, they must have been thinking, Charlie, are you okay? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it was a big risk. Um, but they supported me throughout it and continue to support me now to mm. this day. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I'm very, very grateful for each of them. And there was no part of you, because I guess essentially like moving from one thing, your sense of identity or your, you as a performer is coming from one place and then switching to another. Was there any part of you where you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm not sure about this. Essentially, there was no, you were like, no, I'm definitely, this is definitely what I'm No, I, I, I was like, I'm definitely going to do it. Mm. I think I actually became more myself. Yeah, yeah. At that point. I think I actually like when I made the decision to do it, I think that's when I was actually like, oh, you know what? This is. I've never felt more comfortable within mm. myself. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't playing someone else. I wasn't pretending to sing like someone else or... Mm. It was like, okay, you're just doing you. Right. Um, and were you also... Because you said like your friends had never heard anything you sort of written, but were you writing around that sort of yeah, time? Yeah. You were always like writing. Yeah, definitely always writing and stuff. I've got like... Yeah, I was always doing that. So when did that start for you? Because I guess like you're doing musical theatre, it's not really kind of what you want to be doing. And you're So when did the sort of writing and that sort of stuff begin to sort of bubble away for you? Hmm. I mean, I was doing it. I think I was. I mean, I was doing it in between shows, just at home. I think like when you first get into music, there's mm. no like real way of like there's no like step by step thing that you follow to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a weird process actually. Like you kind of have to just find out like what works for you. And like what worked for me was, I would, I never wrote in song format. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always write exactly how I'm feeling and what I'm saying I will write it down as if I'm speaking it mm -hmm. and then later on I'll then go back and revisit it yeah and turn it into a song and it's amazing actually I went to the um the British Library actually across the road and saw Paul McCartney's yeah. handwritten li lyrics and it'd be amazing like how mundane they kind of look mm. but yet the words and songs that this guy performs have like touched you know like millions and millions yeah, it's of mad, people it? it's crazy yeah um Again, like, do, what kind of does your sort of writing look like? Is it lots of like scrawlings or like you like scrubbing stuff out or? I'm so, like, I'm so neat with stuff like that. Yeah. So like, I, w I wish sometimes that mine looked like really artistic and like crossing loads of it out and yeah. then like rewriting it. But no, like when it comes to writing, any, anyone that knows me knows mm. that like, I like it all to look really nice. Yeah. yeah. And it's little, there'll be like a clean line through it if it's, rubbish and uh i know you mentioned for like a previous interview that you really studied um beyonce that was mm -hmm. like a bit so were you looking at her like lyrics how she was like laying things out because i guess it, it like it is a very um particular and precise skill like writing song lyrics mm. it's not like writing a script or like poetry it has and i think like with right when it comes to writing i never mm. really like i mean beyonce and stuff like that like with other artists i would what's the word um I've researched on them loads. Yeah. But when it comes to writing, I've always felt that, like, writing is so personal. I don't think you can actually learn okay. from other people's writing techniques. Mm -hmm. That's personally how I feel. Yeah. Because for me, like, that just comes from them. Mm -hmm. that, that is solely them. Whereas, I mean, like, you can watch someone's performance and stuff and see that there's stuff that you can copy and you can, you can take from. Whereas I feel like writing is so personal. It's like trying to, like, I don't know, 
copy like an artist or something okay it's yeah. not really yeah you've got your own way of drawing or you've got your own way of saying things so right. i think like the more that you you keep doing that for yourself is better rather than like trying to write like someone else if you know what i mean i do sorry i'm just taking a wee sip of water no worries it's um, hot in here it's really hot um so it's so moving on to topic three, Charles the Artist. So I discovered you and your music recently at the Bedford River Festival, where you performed an amazing set on the BBC Introducing stage. Thank you. So, oh, yeah, honestly, it was fantastic. It really, as I sort of mentioned before the interview, that voice, incredible. <laughs> um, so, but why are events like that important to your career? I mean, like BBC Introducing, to be fair, have done like mad things for me in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, not even like from the things that they get me, but just the support from the team in general. It's yeah. like, I don't think anyone ever really gets to see that side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but they were like the first people, I guess, in the industry yeah. that had ever like believed in what, what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's like a little family unit with BBC Introducing. They're amazing. And you get amazing opportunities from them. So it's right. so important. They get you out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, without them, I don't know where, how far I'd be actually. So, how did that particular journey start for you? Like, what was the initial sort of like process? Did you reach out to them? Did they reach out nah, to you? No, they've got this thing called like the BBC Uploader, and you literally just upload your music. Yeah. And then you can kind of like track your history of like seeing who's listening to it. So you get like an email one day being like, BBC Introducing, have listened to your music. Yeah. Or Radio One, have listened to your song. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean though they're going to play it. Right, right, right. So you get this this email, this cryptic email, so you're then just waiting, like, okay, are they actually going to play it? Yeah. And then they get in contact with you, and they're like, okay, so what we're going to get you on the show. Sorry, what was the song that you submitted? That um, the very first one. Yeah, the very first one. I mean, how many times have you kind of done this? What's been like the the? I mean, they've been they've been supporting me from the start of my career. Yeah. So like what five years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one I ever uploaded was. Red, Green, Gold. Mm -hmm. That was the first one that I'd ever uploaded to them. And it got, yeah, plugged heavily from, from yeah. their side, which was great. And then you just, so how many, because I saw you at that particular stage, how many times have you actually performed through that uh, particular avenue through BBC Introducing? Um, I did maybe four four times. Oh, okay, right, right. Um, we, they, we, we used to... We did a, I did a show in Luton, actually. They used to do it at the Bear Club. Is that okay. what it's called? Uh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> like, this is like a couple of years ago now. I don't go to Luton much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no Tino Shade. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. like, we used to do, I did a show there and then I did a festival for them last year and then I did BBC River Festival this year. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. And one of the things I just want to pick up about, actually, because the BBC gets a lot of stick and rightly so in some areas, um, mm -hmm. Not one to sort of go into sort of the history, especially sort of like now. But I think what people kind of like don't get is that the license fee does go towards performers like yourself, um, and enriching a community, enriching uh, like artists, and empowering them to actually start their career. Mm, so, definitely. what do you kind of like feel about that kind of thing in terms of a more? I mean, yeah, I've got nothing like bad to say about them, really. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, every interaction I've had with them has been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I think people just forget that it's such a big organization. They do yeah, like so yeah. much and they just tend to focus on the, the negative. on the negative. And that's why I'm happy that my license fee goes to events like this and we'd be yeah. more happy if more of that money went I to... think people maybe just don't even understand or realize mm. that that's even where it goes, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100. But until you go and watch something like that, then you go, oh, okay, well, that's what it's paid for. The sound engineers, the lighting technicians. Yeah, the- yeah. The equipment, do you know what I mean? The artists, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, so just diving into that gig, like, a little bit, what was your experience like playing that particular... playing that stage? Because I know I was basically in the crowd off to the side, and I have to, like, confess, I didn't get up and dance. I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a, a, bit of a, sh- <laughs> bit of a shy guy. How dare you? But it was very, it was very funky. That, that drummer was very groovy, like, a real, like, yeah, nice, sort of, like, swing to it. Massive babe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So what, what is it like when you turn up to these sort of events and you have to, like, work through the audience, you have to, like, introduce the sort of songs? What's yeah. that experience like I think it's different. Like, whenever I do a show, like, back home, in those areas back home, it's always quite... Um, I find them actually quite intimidating to some extent, which is so weird. Yeah. Um... Because in London, I feel like I'm so comfortable in London. I've always got like people around me that I know that yeah, always yeah. come to watch the show. Whereas mm. when I do stuff like that, I was turning up to it with no one knowing who I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess you, all, you, I, I guess you kind of feel like you almost have to prove yourself to mm. these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, I'm not like your normal standard like performer or like what I'm wearing and stuff. Oh, talk about your outfit. Your outfit was amazing. Talk a yes. about that. I mean, I just love fashion. So yeah, like, yeah. I was in like a three-piece suit mm. um, with some nice big heels and yeah so like even that do you know mm. what I mean like Bedford's a lovely place um, but it is you sometimes I do feel like oh are they going to take this right yeah or yeah are they not going to take mm. this right so mm. it's always in the back of my mind but I mean like, I've never ever like come away from from a performance and like people not not being like oh they liked it and stuff yeah you know? yeah so it's good. I feel like doing shows like that actually push me more as an artist mm. than when I do it in London because I feel mm. like London we live in like quite a nice liberal bubble here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everything's everyone's pretty accepting yeah, to some yeah. extent. Mm. Um, but whereas when you go to these smaller towns, it can get a bit. Yeah, I I, I, know, I know exactly what you kind of mean. I, I just want to just jump back a little bit um, to a point um, in an interview you did recently with uh, Mustard.com mm-hmm. um, where you spoke about the influence of an R&B singer, um, Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt it because my dyslexia. Um, is it Escoffrey? Escoffrey? Escoffrey. Escoffrey. Yeah, I was almost there. You were nearly there. I was almost there. 50%. So... So I'm just sort of thinking of him and in terms of uh, his initial influence and guiding you into your first steps in music and the kind of practical advice he kind of gave you that you perhaps maybe still use um, Mm. today. Yeah, I mean, he just told me to go for it, really. Mm. And I guess I still think like like that now. Yeah. Is that I just have to go for it. If you want something, go get it. And that's kind of pretty much what he said. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you want to do it? Okay, do it then. Mm. And I was like, huh? (laughs) What? It's that easy. He's like, yeah, (laughs) just go. He's like, we're not going to... Sat here talking about it, it's not going to make anything happen. Right. Like, go out and do it, and then come back to me once mm. you've. So, yeah. Yeah, and did you, did you like come back? Or have yeah, you come yeah. back to him? Yeah, do you know what? I've not yeah. spoken to Sean in like years, yeah. ages. Um, but I should. I, should but, I mean, reach I think out to him. that's a kind of like nice thing of people kind of like help you on your way. Um, yeah. And then eventually, maybe you kind of like. Can re- like I feel like I'm waiting to that. be like at a point where then I can then go back to him. I feel like I'm not <laughs> quite there yet. Maybe yeah. once when I'm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, is, well, is, is it in terms of like uh, like plaudits, like awards, like uh, sort of state, you know, is there a sort of threshold that you're, do you think about like, is it like getting a Brit or like an NME or like selling out uh, a venue? Yeah, I guess at an arena world tour, really. That's kind of the dream. Yeah, I guess yeah, when you yeah. hit that stage. Mm, yeah, yeah. 100%. You kind of set. Um, and also, I just wanted to sort of like touch on a little bit. It's like creating yourself, because obviously like, there's a singing part of it, but also creating yourself visually. Like as a singer, like it's a performative aspect. You're putting yourself out there as a, as a person, but also as a sense of like creation and design of like how are people going to look at you, see you and your general aesthetic. So mm-hmm. how do you kind of go making forward steps into that? And how has that sort of evolved over the course of your career? I didn't think about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just thought about like what I want to wear, what I want to be. Yeah. How I want to... People see, I've never, I've never really thought that much about like the consumer in that way when it comes right. to visuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't really ever thought of it like that. Was there any particular designers that you gravitated t- towards that you were then like? Like now? Yeah, like now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a um, a designer called Harris Reed, right? Um, who actually studied over there. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, Central Saint Martins. Yeah, Saint yeah, yeah. Martins. Um, they just have the most incredible collection. It's like a, it's gender fluid, but it's just so elegant and like regal. It's just insane. I just mm. like, if anyone's listening and doesn't know, I'd definitely say check out Harris Reed. Um, it's got some insane stuff. And has that always been a thing of like mixing, like, I guess like for want for a better word, the masculine with the sort of like feminine, feminine. And, and that sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. Because that's, that's who I am, do you know what I mean? Like some days you'll catch me and... I guess you could say that I was more masculine that day, but I mean, I've always, I've always mm. kind of gone in between both of them when it comes to fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, it's a little two-part question here. Go on. Um, then. So, what was the first? Yeah, what was the uh, what was the first song that you ever wrote about? And what was the first song you're like, mm. yeah, that's actually a banger. Ooh, the first song I ever wrote, you know, I think it was. I think it was called Daydreamer. Okay. Um, that was the first song I ever wrote. And the first song that I ever like wrote and thought, ah, oh, this hmm. has got potential, was Red, Green, Gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember being in the studio in Liverpool. And um, I remember I, he sent me the bounce and I like, had to walk home yeah. to where like my um, boyfriend was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a walk. It was like 45 minutes. And I think I put it on like repeat. I must have listened to it like, I don't know. Like yeah. 50 times just over and over and over again and that's mm. when I was a bit like hold on a second I was like this actually sounds pretty good yeah yeah um, so that was that was the first time just to jump back a little bit can you remember what um, Daydreamer was about because um, I'm just curious about like you themes. know what I've not it, should you tell you what Daydreamer was about Daydreamer mm. was about like me always daydreaming about where I was going to be in my in the future yeah and about like how like how I wanted to to become this this artist this right. performer yeah and how that I would always just daydream about it and never actually mm-hmm. do it so that's what that's what daydream was about and in terms of like so red green and gold like daydream in terms of like the themes that you like write about that you go back to what do you tend to sort of like explore more often than not that you feel just sort of naturally gravitating towards 
like in my music that I've already got out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because essentially you talked about a sense of longing, a sense of like dreaming, a sense of trying to kind of like get mm. someone. I wonder if that's a sort of a theme that, that runs throughout your kind of like work, even from like the earliest sort of phrasing. To yeah, it. maybe. I mean, not really. I think they've mm. all got like their own, their own individual stories of what they're about. Like, I mean, Red Green Gold, Red Green Gold is about my boyfriend, and then I've yeah. got Daydream, the first one I ever wrote. Yeah. It's about daydreaming and easy <laughs> is about my parents so right. i don't know like there is yeah. there's stories to every single one of my okay. songs that yeah, are just yeah. relevant for that moment right and that time so like it's nice to look back on them and know that like each of them has kind of like a time stamp on my life yeah 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 of like what i was doing or how i felt at the time mm-hmm. um well so just following on from that question can you talk me through the creative process from start to finish of writing recording and promoting your latest single, Dirty Little Secret, which I heard you perform at Bedford Road Festival. Yeah. So, like, from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Just, just give, like, a, the audience, like, a rough idea of, like, so maybe you sat on your couch, you got your notebook out. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was in, I, I wrote Dirty Little Secret years, like, maybe four years ago. Yeah. And I wrote it with these producers, and we sat in the studio, we did it, and then I left it for years. Yeah. Never touched it again. And then last year... I revisited it and rewrote it yeah. and reproduced it with um, a guy called Ed Graves. And we went up to his house. He's got like a house in Bath and went and stayed there for two nights. Right. Um, laying down vocals, um, trying to get the sound right because I wanted it, the production to be completely different. And yeah. New. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like the process. Well, just to get super nerdy here. Go on. So what people don't realise, it's not a sense of like a, a, a artist or singer. It doesn't pick up a microphone, it just simply sings into like a microphone. In terms of production, you have to like stack vocals. You have to like compress them. There's certain mm-hmm. like mics you kind of use. Um, and there's certain artists that like to stack their vocals in a certain way that gives them a certain sort of sound, sound which they're known for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of you and like your voice and obviously yeah. using like microphones and that sort of stuff, is there a particular thing that you sort of gravitate towards? We tend towards? to stack vocals a lot. Mm stack as much as possible and then i also tend to stack like the high register yeah yeah my mid and my low yeah and merge all three together right so it gives it this quite like it's quite a weird sound because you've got the falsetto yeah with bass and then a mid mm-hmm. but that's how i tend to stack and do you use is it just all dry or do you use like a like reverb like effects that sort of stuff mm, on there when i'm first when i'm first getting into the song yeah well i'll put loads of reverb on it yeah, just yeah. to make myself sound pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it makes me get in the zone more because i'm like oh that sounds nice when in reality you, you turn it dry and you're like yikes yeah yeah you're like ouch um but no and then after we strip it out mm. and how's that is that sort of it changed through the production process and in terms mm. of like um production because it is like you can um you know there's lots of different like techniques from the 70s 80s like 90s you can now essentially like press a button you can kind of like get that yeah. sort of sound so how's that evolved yeah. sort of technology wise how's that kind of evolved? yeah i mean it's it's weird because like, i guess it depends who you work with like so it depends what like producers i'm in with at the time um and how and how they work so like I'm, right. i'll go in with certain producers and like they have a certain type of way of working and and sounds they like to tend to use yeah um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's constantly changing. 
And how do you hook up with like a producer? Do you just get them like IG or do you like email oh, there's them? There's loads of different like... ways. Yeah, my manager tends to hook some of them up. A lot of them are like through people that I already know that I've worked with in the past. And yeah. They're like, oh, you should work with this person or this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. They're really great. You should work with them. So it's all like word of mouth mostly. And I know you talked a little bit about on stage about the actual story behind like Dirty, Dirty Little Secret, but mm. would you mind like sharing that like now for, for the audience? About yeah, like what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dirty Little Secret I wrote a couple of years ago um, and my fiance, my now fiance. Well, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, it's so funny. Whenever I say that, I feel like I, people always feel like to say like congrats or like clap after it. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but no, yeah, so I wrote that song four years ago. Mm. He got the, like a, rude, a big acting job at the time yeah. in, a, um, in a TV show. And when he got the role, they kind of said to him, oh, okay, like, well, we know you're gay, mm-hmm. um, but your character you're playing is straight. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, like, we just do think, like, probably be best if you maybe didn't, didn't show the outside world that you were because it would be better for your character and better for your career. Right. So it sounds, it's, it's always quite, it's like a bittersweet, like always explaining the song because it, it right. feels like so yeah. far removed from like the people that we are today. But I mean, at the time, we like, we sat down and Jim kind of said to me like, oh, like they kind of want us to get rid of our like social presence on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, do it. Like there was mm. no hesitation in me, which is, quite strange because I feel like it's not really me as a person but I just said no like let, let's just do it like mm. we work so hard to get where we are in our careers yeah, for yeah. us to then to get to this final hurdle and it'd be like yeah well you just can't tell anyone you're gay yeah yeah and it's like they've already offered you all this money they've already mm. told you how your life's going to change yeah and I was like you know what like I know that I love you and I know that mm. he loves me and I was like, let's just see how it goes. Yeah. So we did. We deleted everything. And then maybe a year and a year went by, a year and a half. And then I kind of sat down with him and was like, what are we doing? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. That is actually mental. Mm. I think like after having time to actually sit in deep it and realize like what the hell is going on. We then were like, yeah, actually, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. We can't, we can't keep, keep doing this, pretending and lying that he's this person when mm. he's not. You know, yeah. and there's probably like young boys out there as well, or young girls that would be watching the show thinking, like, it just doesn't set the great example. Yeah, yeah. So the song was a polite, like, fingers up at these production companies and yeah. these people that make you dull yourself or they try and hide parts of who you are so that they can benefit. Yeah, yeah. So that's where Date Little Secret was, was born and, like, written. Mm. It was about, like, how I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. when we were going through this this scenario yeah and I felt like I was his dirty little secret right Yeah, and it feels so strange to be asked that especially like now like in yeah. like but two you years, say that like, but like it's, it's crazy. crazy I mean it was a while ago yeah like, we're talking like what maybe five years ago but yeah, like yeah. still not that long ago yeah yeah really mm. do you know what I mean it's nuts it's like so, it's one of those sort of things when you hear that when I hear things like that, I kind of like automatically like roll my eyes like why like you know I'm just like why this doesn't make any sense like nobody like nobody cares nobody um, that I can think would particularly sort of like care. But again, but again we live in yeah. such a liberal bubble, Ex- and, and this insane, is the thing. Uh, yeah. So like I think it opened up our eyes a lot to like yeah. the people we choose to hang about with, the place where we live. Like true, true. We live in London. It's amazing. So multicultural. So diverse. But 
there are many places outside of London that do not think like that. Yeah, yeah, very true. And I think, like, I think it was just a harsh reality of actually, like, I think these companies know that too, and that's mm. why they did. That's yeah, why yeah. they try and do stuff like that. But obviously, then no one progresses. We don't yeah. go anywhere then because exactly. you're just hiding everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So um, I'd just like to jump a little bit into um, moving on from like uh, from Dirty Little Secret to the um, EP you put out um, on Bandcamp, uh, On Trend, Hungry and Broke. So why is it important to put out EPs like that on Bandcamp for you as an artist? You know what, like, I didn't really not know that much about Bandcamp until like, like maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Bandcamp's amazing because obviously the artist gets gets a lot of it back like gets the money yeah yeah um it's it's almost instant as well Mm -hmm. like you get literally like an email notification when someone buys it so like it's amazing i think Bandcamp for that so that you can actually see Mm -hmm. some money come back because i mean like streaming there's no i mean everybody knows it's like almost boring to talk about because everybody even people that don't even do music know that no one gets paid from streaming yeah yeah which is wild it's crazy um, I guess like with like streaming though, is it like if you get yourself placed on like a really popular like playlist, even though you're not getting paid, it just gives you more like I guess like exposure, it's more like promotion. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, hundred percent. So like it's sick for stuff like that. It is. It's amazing. Um, but there's no money. Yeah. Is there st- in terms of is there a sort of particular playlist or things that you've really like gone after? So like, listen, I've got to get my 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 music on that, even though there's no mm. monetary benefit to doing that. Um, is there sort of stuff like that you kind of like do uh, yeah I mean well? to be fair like getting on playlists is so cryptic there's no real way of doing right. it it's not like you just message someone one day and ask to get put on it and then they put you on like it is just literally luck of the draw yeah so it is very like I think mysterious. as an independent artist yeah. yeah maybe like if you're assigned to a label and stuff it might be mm. a different story but yeah it is all kind of up in the air whether you do get playlisted or not and, and in terms of like was well, one song I just want to quickly sort of like shout out which is Sundance Kid which you did the mm. lockdown video with and yeah. it features a, a singer called like Sharky yeah. so how did you kind of like meet up and team up and like how did that with sort of Sharky. come about yeah uh, me and Sharky met through her husband Todd who's a producer oh okay yeah so they had a producer him and his brother had a duo called Speakman Sound right and this is when I kind of first started getting into music properly and I had a manager for the first time and stuff. I had a few sessions with them to yeah. write for some of their their projects. Right, right. Um, and then we did a few shows. So, like, we did a festival and obviously Sharky also featured on some of the singles. Yeah. So that was the first time we proper met was in, like, the back of this... Oh, um, right, yeah. ...of a tour bus, like a tour van. Yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious. And then we went on to do like Coco and stuff, like mm-hmm. on the main stage with them. Yeah. So like we met like that, me and, me and, me and Sharky, Georgia, her name is. Um, and yeah, our relationship's just blossomed ever since. Nice. Like, I love them, love them both. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, so I just want to jump into the fourth topic, which is, which we've t- sort of talked about a little bit, but art, music and money. And um, one of the things you've spoken about, which I think is like so f- refreshing to actually hear, is that, um, you talked about the fact that you were performing at a uh, Gucci event, like Night of the Life, uh, I think, um, sort of like paraphrasing. And then like straight afterwards, you had to go to like work. You had to go back to like the nine to five to fund, yeah. the, fund the artistic endeavor. Yeah. So it was d- a real reality check. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's funny. Like I had like the most amazing two days of my life, I think, to the, mm. to the day. Um, 
I got to perform for Gucci at the V&A for like their fashion and masculinities event. Yeah. Gucci had like asked me to sing for them. So I like, had the most insane two days, went to the event. It was just, yeah, it was just unreal. It was like, I was living my dream at the time. Yeah. And I also have another job. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I need to pay, help paying my rent. So yeah, I do yeah. work part-time somewhere else. So when they were organizing the cars and stuff, I said to my manager, I was like, I'm gonna have to go to work, like I can't get it off. Mm. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to go to work after. And she was like, okay, no worries. So like they got like our car and stuff to, to drop us off at, back at work. Right. So it was just a surreal experience. Like I came outside, got in this car, like it was insane. Yeah. Dressed head to toe in Gucci and then just pulled up outside my job. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and it was it was awkward because like it was it wasn't it was awkward. I like went and started doing my job, and then someone walked past that had yeah. been at the event later on in the night, mm -hmm. and they were like Charles, and I was like, no, <laughs> I was literally like, I want my whole like I just want the world to swallow me yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, this isn't happening to me right now. Like, mm. I almost felt like I broke this illusion of like who I was. Yeah. And then I had like a real stern talking to myself like mm. for a couple of seconds as they're like walking over and I was like, you know what? Just own this now. Yeah, yeah. Because like this is your reality, Charles. Mm. Like you can't keep pretending that this is, that you're, that you're, that you're doing stuff that you're not. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have yeah. another job. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just, just own it. So like went over and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm working now. And they were like, what? They were like, and I think their response was really nice. They were like, yeah. what? They were like, you're such a hustler. They were like, mm. well done. Like, yeah, yeah. you've just done something amazing and now you're at work. Mm. Like, and I think it was at that point that I then started to be a bit more like, you know what, actually, I work hard. Like I work so hard on music and then yeah. I also work hard to earn money as, as well to then pay for my music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's something that's happened this year where I mm. feel a lot more like better about it. I feel like I've like taken control mm. of the situation with it. Yeah. Because before I'd be terrified that someone would see me. Yeah, yeah. Which and is I ridiculous. Mean, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so refreshing to hear someone like yourself who's in, supremely sort of like talented that does mm. wonderful things, but then there is the reality of being an independent artist. Like, I have to earn money. I have mm. to do these things to, to go after yeah. my creative passion. And passions. it's weird, like, yeah. even like with the job that I've got now, like, it pays me really well to do what I do, and they're so mm. flexible with me. Mm. And, like, I do feel like I will do it for as long as I can, as in, like, till I'm... Till physically possible, I yeah. think I will carry on doing it because at the end of the day, like, I earn good money from it, yeah. and it goes straight back into my music. Mm -hmm. So I think even if I got a given a record deal, yeah, yeah, I know that it's not going to be like crazy amounts, but I, oh, I know okay. that I could also then add more to my budget yeah. because yeah, yeah. I could then put in my own money. You know, we'll, we'll get to the record label in, in a moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so just following on from that question, I think it's a perfect sort of segue that audiences and fans have always wanted a certain amount of wish fulfillment, glamour and escapism from their pop stars. And there's a huge pressure on sort of pop stars to remain authentic. Um, how do you approach that sort of balancing act? Because again, like, as you say, you create, not necessarily create, but you're, obviously you're this performer, but then also yeah. you're, I guess there's Charles the performer and then there's Ch Charles. I think that's like recently changed over mm. recent years. And I think that the main thing to blame for this whole thing of like this weird thing where hmm. people want artists to be like real and authentic. Yeah. I think it stems from reality TV. Right. And I think this is where like lines are getting real, really blurred. Yeah. In my opinion, for me, like I'm kind of like an artist, like I guess you could say like older, like old school 
right you know yeah. like where i do create a persona and it is very like that is what it is yeah i'm not such a fan of giving so much personally mm. just because that's that's the only thing that i have left of myself yeah is yeah that. whereas I feel like reality TV has made everyone want to consume everyone for the realness of them. Yeah, Where yeah. it's just like you had huge artists like Freddie Mercury or David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. These Prince, you, they were such artists. Mm. No one really cared that much about their who they really were. Yeah, yeah. They were just obsessed with the person they they've created. Yeah. And I think that that in music, I think. That works really well. Yeah, it does. I think that's kind of got a bit lost yeah. as time's gone on. I, I rate people that want to be like real artists and and I'm not saying that I'm not real, but there is still a level of like, there's still a level of, that's artist, Charles, and then I've still got myself. Yeah. And I think there's, a, I think there should be a clear defined separation between artists and also I like, think it's better for me mentally to yeah. be honest I think I like find it easier to switch into Charles mm. when I'm performing and stuff yeah and it's great I don't know like how I'd feel really going up there as Charlie and I also kind of think like if you're being real and you're always being on 24-7 you're very I see artists that are very used to being the centre of attention like all the time and that mm. must be really wearing mm. A you feel like your ego because it must get super inflated and for the people around you they're like can you just not just be like normal have a cup of tea just like chill out like, yeah. you don't you may be like doing a bit too much which is yeah and I, I agree with you I think there are, we have lost a sense of like the artists being large in life and we don't really need to know about like how the sausage gets made so no, to speak yeah. just, like, I don't think so Go and watch Towie or like Love Island. Yeah, I think. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to see like real people like do stuff like that, go and watch reality TV. Yeah. Why? You know, I don't know why people ask musicians to do that. Mm, mm. That's just my opinion. Um, and just following on from that question, so outside of music, you've modelled for Gucci and Armani and other major sort of fashion houses. Also, in terms of like how artists make their money, it's brand deals, it's merchandising, it's placements, it's touring. Do you think there is a danger of artists now becoming overly commodified? that the music almost takes like a backseat. And the prime example I'm thinking of is someone like Kanye West. Right. Where like he is just, it's all product. There's no yeah. differentiation between Ooh, whatever. It's a hard question, you know. I don't know. I think, I don't, I think with brand partnerships and stuff like that, like I think, I think as long as you still keep it, you still relate it to yourself and it's still part of your brand. Yeah. I'm not really mad at it. But I think when you, when people start going off doing stuff like this, it's just random. Mm. So you'll like see like your favourite singer or something, and they'll be like, I don't know. They'll be doing a teeth whine and come home when <laughs> they yeah, don't have yeah. like pearly white. I don't know. You know, like yeah, I, I think when that. it stops being authentic, I think that's when it can probably start to go a bit, bit west. Yeah, but it's also a weird thing like now because an artist is in terms of the revenue streams. Like music, seems, money is made. Yeah, yeah, it seems music seems to be like the the calling card, but how the real money gets made is not in those areas. And you're yeah, called on true. to just be on so, be on so many different things. And also, I watch some interviews with people, and it's this overwhelming sense to be sort of likable and answer sort of like hopefully not in this interview, but like a name questions. Yeah, and you just think that's got to be sort of draining. Yeah, um, I guess like someone I'm thinking of, like the weekend, he doesn't do any of that. Like yeah. from well, from what I understand, he doesn't do any interviews, doesn't do anything. And mm. I guess he keeps that sense of. He, he does, and I guess lucky. like he's kind of like one of those people as well that I think kind of like 
relates a lot to the greats like Prince and yeah. Freddie Mercury and stuff, I think, because they didn't have loads of interviews either or yeah. they didn't put themselves out on a platter so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I guess you've got to make money. Exactly. But then again, it's engage. just about being smart, I think, mm. about like, how you choose to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, not every brand deal has to be the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, I think it depends on the artist and whether you're like, you want to, you can do it in ways where people wouldn't even know that you're, you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, it relates to you so much, mm -hmm. you know? People aren't going to be like, oh, why is he wearing Adidas? Like, he never wears Adidas tracksuits. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, people are yeah. going to know, oh, it's yeah, because yeah. you've got loads of money. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you're wearing clothes where you actually would wear it day to day, yeah. who's going to know? Precisely. Um, so I'm going to ask you the most unfair question of the interview. Say Universal Music <laughs> calls you up and offers you a million pound contract. Now, when I wrote a million pounds, I thought a million pounds actually was a lot of money, but it, it's actually not a lot of money, especially like now. Um, they offered you a record deal. Um, what would be the pros and cons for you today do you think first i would probably say is that it yeah it's not a lot of money there's this idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> a million a million pounds doesn't give you very I'm much these days cheeky, but yeah no i probably would say is that it um pros and cons to it yeah do you know what i can't actually answer that question because i'm not in that position like right. i don't know yeah yeah i wouldn't i feel like you're only ever going to know that i think when you do it when you're sat there do you know because Pros, I guess. Yeah, I honestly, I could don't think I can answer that like truthfully because I don't really know. I, I guess does it come down to a sense of like control? I guess to sort of ask the question, a question in a more sort of abstract way, it comes down to the idea of like control and that there is a, a supposed machine behind you that will be like pushing you. Yeah, because I think it's, again, like it's like with labels and stuff, like mm. you you sign the deal at the end of the day. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So if you're agreeing to stuff that you don't like, mm. that's that's yeah, yeah. You in it? Yeah. Do you yeah. Know what I mean, so like, there should only be pros with if Universal called me up and asked me to give me a, a record deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, because I'd make sure that everything on there mm. was only going to pro me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I wouldn't like read the contract and see a con and be like, oh, it's fine. I'm just not going to look at that bit and just look at the money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah. when that does come, it's all going to be pros because hopefully I'm going to pick it all. Mm. And it, and I guess like I guess this is I guess it's an unfair question as well. Is that something that again like in your career path that's something you're sort of like striving for? Is it one of these sort of things? If it comes, it comes. Or? Yeah, not really. Like, not really. It's not something that I would really say is a goal. Okay. I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah, it's not really a goal for me. Okay. But if it happens, it happens. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. Which enough. would be great. But yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, so, uh, my final question. What is your dream project if money and time wasn't an object? My dream project? I think it would have to be an Arena World Tour. Yeah. I think that would be like the dream project I think that I would do. Okay. Um, hopefully, like, bankrupt myself in the process. Spend absolutely every single penny of it. And then go and do the most insane tour of my life, I think. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming you've thought about this. So describe the stage for me. What's the what's the production going to look like? You know what? I don't want to say too much. <laughs> yes, because... Because I've already thought about this. I don't want to give it away. away. I don't want anyone... Um, I know you sly people. Some people might be listening, stealing the ideas. No, I'm joking, but no. I do have the ideas in there. But, I mean, hopefully one day you'll just see them. Yeah, true, true. I, okay. Um, would it involve anything aerial? 
possibly. Okay, okay. That's yeah. <laughs> can you can you imagine me flying? <laughs> yes. Well, um, like from the, I mean, people have built roller coasters and like hovering stages yeah, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, like pink and stuff. Like when she gets like catapulted across the arena, yeah. it's like insane, so sick. So I mean, there's loads of there's loads of like things that I, that could be done and that will be done. Um, Okay, let me ask you a question this way. Right. What's been your favorite arena tour that you've seen from another artist that you've really enjoyed, that you've been like, Ooh, oh, wow. Okay, good. It's gonna sound so boring again, but I think it was Beyonce. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. I just loved like, her whole like female band thing. Mm -hmm. It was just insane, and all of the musicians were so talented. Yeah. I remember watching it being like, that was the first time I watched someone perform and be like, whoa that band is insane yeah yeah you know yeah. like and it wasn't just about her even mm. though it was yeah it really wasn't because there was and i think i'd be a big i'm a big champion of stuff like that as well like it's it's about me but it's not about me yeah there's yeah. a lot of people on that stage that help make mm. me what i am yeah so i think it'd be a case of definitely showcasing everyone on that stage and when you went to see um, Beyonce, where were you in the crowd? Were you right up the in front? In the stalls, yeah. In the stalls, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which tour yeah, was that? And then I watched, um, then we, yeah, in the stalls. Yeah. Uh, was it Sasha Fierce tour? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think. Right. Quite a, quite a few years ago. It's yeah, like it her older it. stuff. Right, yeah. Not the newer stuff. And what do you think about the newer stuff? Have you heard I mean, the new I album? I love the new album. Yeah. It's insane. Okay. I think it's great. I think it's such a massive risk, but like, I feel like this was like the Beyonce I was like waiting for to come back a bit. Yeah. This is, I love her like this. Um, and okay, okay, my last, last final question. Go on. Um, is there any particular musical artist at the moment that you're looking forward to as well, like listening to their music just as a fan that's going to sort of like come out that you think, yes, like I can't wait for... Well, I know that Shark is going to be releasing um, an album soon. So I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Um, I always love everything that she does. Uh, who else are, who am I into? Gabriels, have you heard of Gabriels? I have not, no. Oh, you need to check them out there. They're actually some of that I've seen play in the last year. Yeah. And that's been another one that I've watched. And you know, like when you watch them and you're like, you're going to go, you're going to blow up. Yeah, Massive. Yeah. They just have it. I can't explain it. Okay. But the way they the show is, the performance is just so captivating. Yeah. I urge everyone to check them out. They're called Gabriels. Okay. Um, and if you can see them live, see them live, because just they'll blow your mind. Perfect. Okay, so lastly, where can people check out your music, watch your music videos, and find out about upcoming gigs, and follow you on social media? So socials and stuff, it's just Where Is Charles with double S. Yeah. Um, and YouTube is Charles Music Vivo, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, most updates and stuff are always on the gram. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or Twitter, but it's all the same. It's all Where's Charles on Facebook as well, so. You've got your link tree up there, which links to all your music the links videos. To everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bandcamp, yeah. all that sort of stuff. All of that's on there. Yeah, um, okay, well, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. That's all my questions I have for you yeah. today, Charles. You've oh, been amazing. amazing. No, thank, thank you so much. Me. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Tom. No problem.